This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's time for football. Just for kicks on BFM 89.9. Hello and welcome to Just for Kicks with myself, Cam Ruslan. And we it's absolutely packed this week. Uh, we've got Premier League, we've got Champions League, Europa League, and we've decided to not even mention the conference, uh, Europa Conference League, but there will be local football uh, with our three pundits. Pundit number one is Nicholas Arnil. Hi, Cam. Good to see you back. Oh, it's good to be back. I had COVID, by the way, folks, and uh, but I'm feeling much better. And uh, Sean Malhotra. Hi, hi, everyone. Hope everyone's having a great Monday. And finally, uh, his screen is always completely red because he loves his Liverpool. He is Asran Rosen. Hi, guys. Welcome back, Cam. It's, I'm happy and it's an exciting week ahead as well. So hello, everybody. I'm glad that two of you are happy. Uh, <laughs> our Leeds United fan. Not so. Okay. <laughs> Let's jump straight into it. And um, after Arsenal lost against Man City, I, I think it was incredibly important, Nicholas, that, that that they bounced back. But I was watching Arsenal Twitter during this match. And in the first half, at halftime, Arsenal Twitter were complete defeatists. They were like, Arteta doesn't know what he's doing. They were particularly singling out Zinchenko as being rubbish. And then, of course, he pops up and scores the equaliser and Arsenal go on to win 4-2. It wasn't just the fact that they won. I think it's the manner of the winning, the comeback, which is incredibly important to Arsenal, surely. Yeah, definitely. Two goals in injury time. Uh, you know, uh, it's a huge away win for, for Arsenal, especially if you look at the recent results that uh, didn't go against them. But um, yeah, there were a couple of individuals that stood out. But for me, um, I say two individuals, you know, I, I would single out Jorginho, Jorginho and also Aaron Ramsdale. My goodness, um, Villa looked like they could win it. Um, I thought this game was evenly balanced right up till uh, injury time. And, um, you know, two big saves from Leon Bailey, the first one of which, you know, he tipped onto the post. Um, and then there was another save towards the end. And only after that, Arsenal went on and got those two injury time goals. So huge, huge moments in this game, especially for for Aaron Ramsdale, you know, to, to pull off that, that save and, you know, keep Arsenal in it. And then Jorginho, what a strike. I mean, this guy was not even mentioned uh, as, as as part of Arsenal's purchase uh, in the past uh, January transfer window. In fact, they were going for Moses Saicedo, who was a winger, and then somehow ended up with Jorginho. But what a replacement he has been, you know. I thought he was a rock in that midfield alongside Shaka. Shaka didn't have a great game, so did Martin Odegaard. But for me, Jorginho absolutely stood out and that strike you have to look at the quality of that strike you know it's absolute technical class uh, from the midfielder using the outside of his boot which resulted in the ball um, you know swerving away from um, Emi Martinez you know uh, he got fortunate that the uh, deflection somehow went his way off Martinez. What oh, a strike at, at such a crucial moment and it paved the way for Arsenal to get that uh, all-important three points which puts them ultimately back on track on this uh, title race. Yeah, I agree with you, Nicholas, but poor old Martinez. I mean, how can... I mean, that's an own goal. It bounced off the back of his head. I mean, you knew nothing about it. Come on. <laughs> well... His mother would be so... He couldn't have done anything about it, right? Oh, uh, such he removed his head. Yeah, um, he removed his head. Asran, so therefore, Arteta knows what he's doing. 
it looked like he was being he'd been outthought in the first half. But did he do something that changed it around, or was it just luck? Uh, no, I think I, I, the the theme that I see of Arteta is he's kept faith in his players. I think um, unfortunately for them, they've had a string of bad results. Obviously, culminating in that loss against City, uh, I think a game that they could not, well, they could ill afford to lose. It was better off to draw that game. But somehow, I think as as mentioned by Nick just now, uh, as soon as Jorginho scored, we know that look, Arsenal's going to win it because again, there were some naysayers that says, look, Jorginho hasn't been playing really well for Chelsea, and as soon as he's joined Arsenal, they had their bad luck going. Uh, but yeah, what a cracker it was. Um, and uh, yeah, it was about keeping faith to the team. And yeah, uh, in the final minutes, they got the two goals that they deserve. I think it was such a good, good game. Uh, Ollie Watkins is another striker that's really bang on form at this point of time. And he, he did that. His goal was, was superb, I would say. Huh? Uh, but yeah, Arsenal winning. And that keeps the league really, really interesting until the mm. next coming months. Yeah. So uh, Arsenal two points ahead uh, with game in hand. Uh, anybody know what that game in hand is? Everton. Everton, well, okay, okay. So, uh, Sean, you're a Manchester United fan, so therefore you must be cheering on uh, fellow Manchester club, Man City. Uh, <laughs> but um, this match with uh, Nottingham Forest, it was 1-1, I think a shock result. City had 73% possession. They had 23 shots, seven of which I think were on target. And yet, they only got the one point. Um, Pep... Last week, I was saying my admiration for Pep is unbounded. Uh, this week, I'm saying Pep's rubbish. <laughs> I, I don't think it's down to, to Pep. You know, you, you see the chances they had. I think Laporta had a, a guilt edge free header right in front of Kelo Navas. Could have put it to his left, to his right. Would have been a goal. Headed it straight at Navas. I'm, I'm not taking anything away from Navas. I think Kelo Navas has been one of the best signings. Nottingham Forest has had, they've had like, what, a, two teams worth of signings, but I think he's probably the standout signing. There's a big difference between taking your chances and not taking your chances. Forest took their one and only chance in that game, and City had a plenty of chances. Haaland had a, I call it a FIFA-esque moment where it just bounced off the post, bounced off the goalkeeper. You're not taking your chances, and I don't think this is down to Pep. City played a great game, but if you keep that game at 1-0, at you know, forest ground where they seem their strongest at, there's always a chance they score. There's always a chance because the more you keep it at 1-0, they're going to grow in belief. And I don't think anything away from Forest. you know, I think Chris Wood was the one who scored and that's his first goal since joining the club on loan from Newcastle. It's a big point for Forest in their survival, you know, from, from the bottom three and everything. But City are going to look at it and go, well, it's happened again. Look, the inconsistency of not winning games in a row. You put on a great performance against Arsenal midweek. And then you go again for us where everyone would assume you'd win this game, but then you put in a very, oh, okay, yeah, we're, we're dominating the game, but you don't take your chances. I remember the similar thing happened a few years ago when Barcelona played Celtic. Barcelona had all the position, all the shots in the world, but what happened at the end of the day? I think Celtic won the game. So it's just not taking your chances. Pep put out the strongest team he could possibly put out. They didn't deliver. It's simple as that. Okay, but Nicholas, there's... Uh... There's talk that, you know, Haaland, who is clearly rubbish, he completely missed his shot, uh, is is actually making Man City less good because you have to put the ball to Haaland in a specific spot in order for him to be able to score, which creates inflexibility. So is Man City 
limited. I think you have some agenda against Harlan, uh, Ken. Uh, I, you I, you yeah. always seem to be singling him out for the wrong purposes. Uh, yeah, I don't think about Norwegians. What can I say? <laughs> he, he obviously didn't have his uh, the, the the best game of, of his season or rather in, in recent weeks. Uh, and I think, yes, Harlan has been going through um, a rough patch. You know, uh, take away that strike against Arsenal. Um and you know the last couple of games have not been that great but uh you know everybody goes through a rough patch every now and then mm, i think he started off uh, like a man on fire and there was going to be some period a certain period uh in this season where you know he sort of would have cooled down a little bit and this seems to be the period but um i don't think anybody doubts harlan's uh, capability and even if Haaland is not performing, you know, you see Kevin De Bruyne stepping up with the plate. Um, they were unfortunate against Forrest, but I want to take nothing away from Forrest. They have been absolutely magnificent under Steve uh, Cooper. You know, their first season back in the Premier League after such a long time. And they have been one of the teams that have accumulated the most points since the turn of the year. You know, you remember this, this team has... Has, has come in with, with relative uh, uh, youngsters. They have a lot of youth in their ranks, you know, not many superstars. Uh, Chris Wood is arguably one of the more experienced players, you know, and he brought that to the fore against City. Mm. So, you know, take nothing away from, from Nottingham Forest. They are 13th in the table. And I think they're going to go on uh, to create even more upsets uh, until the end of the season. Oh, yeah. And that could, be, that could be bad news for Leeds United. <laughs> yeah. So very quickly, guys. We've seen Arsenal and Man City up this weekend. Things, fortunes turned around. Uh, where do you think this is going to lead? Azran, do you think that, well, one of these two are going to be the winners? Which one? Well, again, I've always said it's Arsenal's to lose. Uh, but, oh my goodness, uh, I'll go for Arsenal. I'll go for Arsenal. I won't sit on the fence. I'll go for Arsenal. Nicholas? Too early to call for me. I, I see a three-team uh, race from, from now on. You know, United are in it as well. Um, mm. You know, just five points behind Arsenal. Mm. Okay. Obviously, having played a game more. But, you know, if Arsenal uh, do not do well in that game which they have in hand, then, you know, it's it's blown wide open. So, I, I, three, I see a three-horse race. Okay. So, Sean, uh, Manchester United going to win the, the league. No, no, no. no, no, no. <laughs> I won't entertain any of these conversations. I'm going for Arsenal. <laughs> okay. Uh, in a moment, we're going to come back, do some more Premier League here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. And we're back with myself, Cam, Asran, Sean, and Nicholas. And now, Asran, Chelsea, nil, Southampton, one. What? I mean, yeah, people have been saying, oh, no, but Chelsea playing really nice football, very pretty and everything. They've just been unlucky. They weren't even very pretty in this game. Um, Chelsea are kind of rubbish. Cannot yeah, score. they were absolutely poor in this game. Again, even the lineup that was thrown up. So I think at the end of the game, you could hear clearly that the fans were really, really upset. And I think they want Potter out somehow, unfortunately for Potter. But the problem with Potter is the fact that the team that he put out, like, oh, probably after their midweek excursions against Borussia Dortmund where they lost, he made like something like six changes to the Chelsea team. And this changes sort of really disrupted the flow that Chelsea had. So I think you might be right, Cam. Before this, at least they were playing decent football. But over the weekend against Southampton, against the bottom team that has lost nine out of the last 10 games, the, with the team that he put out, I think it was probably 
we can say a bit disrespectful towards uh, towards Southampton because it was more like a team that he would put out during a less important cup match probably. And uh, in short, they were disjointed. They did they couldn't get a few passes going together. And obviously, they were outdone by a fantastic free kick by um, uh, Watt Prowse, who is, again, we mentioned it before, the best free kick taker in the Premier League at this point of time. And uh, I think Southampton were bang back for their for their money. Yeah? They were they were well deserved their three points. Um, Chelsea was absolutely a disjointed team again. Yeah. For a team that has spent so much money, I do not know how they're going to get out of the situation that they're in. Sean, James Ward-Prowse, I don't think he's just the best free kick taker in in Premier League. I think in Europe, he's <sighs> he's way up there. And no. he's only like two goals behind David Beckham, I think, yeah. in terms of... Uh, so my question is, if he was prettier, <laughs> uh, <laughs> would we be talking about James Ward-Prowse as one of the greats? And um, can you answer Asran's question, how are Chelsea going to get out of this? Firstly, I think James Ward-Prowse, his loyalty to Southampton is commendable. But takeaway looks, I think if he played, he had the option to go to Spurs a few seasons back. I think we would be talking about him a lot more, you know, performing in a bigger team. But his loyalty to Southampton is commendable. But if you look at greatest free kicks takers, you know, in, in Europe, my my favorite, because I grew up with him, is still Juninho. I, I, I've never seen someone who could strike a ball better. But James Ward-Prowse definitely is in great company. But to answer Asran's uh, question, you spent $630 million over seven months or eight months, whatever it is, you shouldn't be languishing in 10th. That's number one. You shouldn't be out of two cup competitions. You shouldn't be losing to Dortmund. The one thing that I I, I don't sympathize with Porter is you've made all these signings. You've got, I think they signed 13 players in two windows. You keep changing the team. You keep changing the team every week. You don't have consistency with the team. No one knows each other. You're constantly going to go through this problem of, I don't know how this guy plays. I don't know if I can gel with this guy. And that is down to the manager. That's not down to Todd Bowley. That's not down to to whoever is playing on the day. It's down to Graham Potter who sets up the team. But the one thing that keeps confusing me is he keeps talking about something. And then when game day comes, it's completely different. He was talking about how Obama Young has been training well. You know, he's been putting in a shift. Not even in the match day squad. And then to put that pressure on a 20-year-old Fofana to get you the goals. I don't think that's right from a manager. You know, you put all that pressure on a young kid to come and deliver you goals. When you have Obama Young, yeah, he hasn't been amazing, but he's still someone who can get you goals. So I, I'm i running out of excuses to give Graham Potter. You spend that kind of money, you shouldn't be where you are. You should be performing a lot better. And this problem is going to persist. Excellent. That's the kind of absolutes I like to hear from my punters. <laughs> You know, so uh, Nicholas, Newcastle United nil, Liverpool two. We'll hear from Azran's biased opinion in a moment. Uh, but for now, give me the professional take on this. Um, Nick Pope, Newcastle's goalkeeper, got sent off pretty early for oh, yeah, it's a pretty damn stupid thing to do. So that was the game over, was it? Yeah, I mean to to be to to play a man down with seventy minutes to go against a uh, Liverpool side that are slowly beginning to find their form and momentum uh, is the last thing you want, you know. Um, and that's exactly what happened. The thing is, uh, Nick Pope didn't have to do that. He came rushing out. He was ahead of Salah. And Salah didn't look like he was going to go for the ball. So Nick Pope could have easily just, you know, make connection with his with his leg. But instead, you know, he tried to somehow, uh, 
use his head you know he went for the diving header inexplicably you know uh hit his hand and he ended up chewing grass and uh getting the red card and you know i thought newcastle did well you know uh, even after the sending off they had a couple of chances helen said maximan and even callum wilson uh did test um allison who was absolutely magnificent uh, uh take nothing away from uh, his goalkeeping heroics but yes that sending off you know uh was a big big blow for newcastle and but even how, sorry speaking of big blows though that means then that with the league cup match the final uh carrias will be in goal so you know this is uh, ironic and not just in a you know raining on a wedding day kind of this is actual irony because the last time he played a match was in the champions league final uh with liverpool yeah I think the last he played a competitive match was uh, 2 years ago. <laughs> so it's a big blow for for Newcastle because they lost a keeper that's been in absolute great form. Um and now they're not going to be without him, uh, you know, uh, a key figure and they've got to rely on on either Carriers or even uh, Martin Debravka. I think Martin Debravka would probably get the nod, but uh, big blow. Debravka can't play in the game because he's captain. He oh, played he for ca- United. He's captain. Right. Stop, so stop grinning. So so then it looks like Newcastle are stuck with with Carrius and uh well uh let's see how it pans out a guy yeah. who hasn't played competitive uh, match in 2 years uh, against an informed United that's uh, going to be it's going to yeah. be a huge moment. Yeah. So uh Asran um two goals for uh Liverpool there. I mean correct me if I'm wrong. They, these were two goals supplied by Mohamed Salah but they were they were over the top balls over the top this seemed like very kind of on liverpool i know i i don't feel like i've watched that before this was a different liverpool nah it's the same liverpool i think the first goal was actually um, assisted by trent alexander arnold obviously salah played a played a part in during the build up to the goal but it was a fantastic over the top by trent alexander arnold uh, darwin nunes chested it controlled it and bang into the goal again obviously initially newcastle thought uh, he used his hand but it was clearly he, he used his chest and the second goal as well was a bit of a good interplay and finally salah thinking it out to cody gakpo who has been under a bit of pressure recently and cody gakpo clearly scored so to what nick mentioned actually newcastle played a really good game at the start they could have gone ahead uh, through almiron but again alisson who's been probably the mm. most consistent player for liverpool saved uh, it from being 1-0 up to newcastle and from then on liverpool scored unfortunately i can nick pope uh, that's the problem with nick i think uh, he's such an excellent shot stop stopper he makes good decisions in the box but we've seen he's a bit nervous when he has to use his legs and somehow this particular situation where he could have cleared it sudden rush of blood to the head he handled he lost the ball again he tried to control the ball he had lost control and he somehow handled it uh, given that there's a league cup final coming up for a team that hasn't won silverware for years i think it was one of the i'm sorry to say daftest thing to do unfortunately because he's been a pure pure mainstay in the newcastle defense that has been very stingy in making goals and now with him not playing dubravka being cup tied and carries arguably or probably going on to play oh i know why shawn's grinning at this point of time <laughs> so uh shawn the grinning manchester united fan mm-hmm. by the way it's 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 uh, very disrespectful to, oh, to be quite yeah, so yeah yeah so uh manchester united 3 leicester nil this is i mean the oh, what a marked contrast the beginning of the season so there was a there was an onslaught from leicester at the beginning but then marcus rashford who seems like a new player and do you know why marcus rashford is this new version is better than the old version 
I think it's it's simple. Last season, when when Marcus came back into the team, he'd just gone through two surgeries and he was rushed back into the team too. So he didn't get the treatment that he needed. He looked like a player out of confidence. But you have to look at the United team of last season. Everyone looked out of confidence. It was easy to look at Marcus because he's supposed to provide you goals. But United were leaking goals. There was no creativity. Everyone wasn't performing. I think a lot of this has to go down to Eric Ten Hag and how he's managed Rashford. At the start of the season, he said, Marcus is going to be a key player. Our goal is to keep him. He's easily going to score us 20 goals. He's beaten that already. He's gotten his league record. I mean, his, his career record in a season. But I think the biggest influence in Marcus' career, I mean, Marcus' season so far, is the hiring of Benny McCarthy in the backroom staff. You know, mm. once a very prolific striker in the Premier League. He's come in, he's made Marcus do the easy things well. Marcus used to always want to just smash goals, smash every shot that he had. Now he's placing them, he's doing the bare basics that a striker should be doing. And you're seeing that there's a there's a, this this easy telepathic path between every player at United now, whether it's Casemiro being out and Sabitzer coming in. You just know how United are going to play. It's whether Wakehorse is the focal point up forward or we drop or uh, they drop him back into a 10. And when you drop him back into a 10, he creates so much space for Marcus to do what he needs to do. And the most important thing is he's being clinical right now. But you have to look at every player on that field yesterday. I was saying after 20 minutes yesterday that, oh boy, it could be a long day. It looks like a tired team. You know, the one that's been playing three games every week for the last three to four months. But in the second half, United turned it on. They didn't look like they were going to concede. They looked clinical. It could have been four or five. But this is a United team now that you know, games like this last season would have probably drawn or lost, but are clinical now. Well, I mean, this is a marked contrast. I mean, I remember the beginning of the season we had you on, Sean, and it was mm. like, you know, you could barely get a word out of you. <laughs> uh, Nicholas, Leicester. Leicester, I mean, I think, are they safe? They're 14th. We were talking about Nottingham Forest just now, who are actually one place above them. But, I mean, people could keep saying, well, Leicester too good to go down. Um I mean, they are, aren't they? But they're not. They're not playing well right now. Uh, you you put this game out of the picture. I thought they've been doing well uh, in the last two games. You know, mm. uh, they trashed Spurs obviously four one last week, and the week before uh, they got a big win against Aston Villa as well. So Brandon Rogers has sort of galvanized this Leicester side. A couple of new signings uh, that have come in. You know, the resurgence of Kili uh, Iniacho um, and also Harvey Barnes. Um, I thought Leicester started started off this game really well. And if it's not for David De Gea, they could have easily been 2-0 up. Uh, De Gea was absolutely outstanding in the first uh, first 20 minutes uh, in keeping uh, the scoreline at 0-0. And then, uh, obviously, Rashford turned it on and the game quickly swung United's favour. Uh, coming back to Leicester, there are a couple of things which they still need to work on. Uh, that that uh, central uh, defensive partnership of Fires and Harry Suter, I think, has yet to get going. You know, Once they have firmed up uh, the solidity in, in, in central defence, I think they will get even more better. Uh, Tete at uh, right wing has looked more convincing uh, with every game. Obviously, James Madison is, uh, you know, uh, playing in one of his best seasons. Harvey Barnes has also been doing really well on that left wing. So, um, nothing too much of concern uh, for Leicester City. They just need to keep doing what they're doing. And perhaps, you know, uh, just try and tighten up a little bit more in defence. Because yesterday, that high line did not work for them and all that. That's how um, Rashford ended up scoring two goals. 
Okay. So uh, Leicester apparently going to be okay and Manchester United going to win the Premier League. Uh, <laughs> you heard it from Sean Mahotra. And, <laughs> by the way, you can hear more of his uh, thoughts on Manchester United on his podcast, uh, which he does. What's it called again, Sean? Pocket Devils. Pocket Devils. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, in a moment, we're going to do one more Premier League match and then we're going to go on to the Champions League here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. And we're back with myself, Cam Rusler, Nicholas Anil, Sean Mahotra, and Asran Rosin. And now, Asran, um, we're going to do one more um, Premier League match. And I'm really sorry for the fans of Bournemouth and Wolves, etc. We, we, we there's too much happening. But Tottenham Hotspur 2, West Ham nil, And Spurs, incredibly, are in fourth. Uh, I, we all need to bear this one in mind. Spurs won this match. Spurs are terrible. Um, I don't know how it's happening. I think uh, Spurs are, what we can say is they're terribly inconsistent because the Spurs that was out there yesterday or last weekend compared to the Spurs that turned out and gotten hammering against Leicester are two totally different Spurs side. Again, this is the problem with Spurs. They go in one week, all guns blazing, beating City. The next week, they get hammered by Leicester City. And yesterday, I think at West Ham, they did pretty well. Um, obviously, against a team that is now facing uh, a relegation scrap or dogfight in West Ham. Uh, but I personally, for me... Uh, Spurs had it all under control. True, uh, West Ham had some moments. I think Jared Bowen could have equalised um, after the first goal by uh, Emerson Royale. But then after that, I think Spurs did did pretty well. Uh, I think um, Son is obviously... Uh, this partnership between Son and Harry Kane is... Even though they're not clicking at all gears now, but they are important uh, in ensuring Spurs keep on you know, cementing the fourth spot that they're currently occupying. Obviously, it's Newcastle has got one game in hand. But uh, if I were to see it, the problem with Spurs is just the fact they're inconsistent. If they can play consistently, again, at least decent uh, performance week in, week out, they'll definitely be there or thereabouts in the fourth spot. At this point of time, though, I again, I, I would honestly expect Spurs to turn, to turn up on the losing side this weekend. That's that's how they roll, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's... It's uh, they alternate, don't they? So, uh, Nicholas, let's go to the bottom of the league here with West Ham, and you know your beloved Leeds United are, are kind of thereabouts as well. I mean, am I sorry? I'm, I'm sorry. Did I look look on your face? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they 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 are definitely uh, uh, a relegation uh, uh, among the relegation candidates as of okay. So the, the bottom the bottom starting from the bottom, Southampton on eighteen, Leeds on nineteen, West Ham on twenty. And then you've got Bournemouth and Everton both on 21. So uh, not a good result for West Ham. Where, where do you think this this bottom, the, the battle at the bottom is going to be going? Oh, it's it's really tough to call. I mean, you, you look uh, at, at the bottom five and they're only separated uh, by three points. Um, so, you know, and there's so many games left to go. You know, there's 15 games left to go in the season. So, um a string of good results could take you up um, as high as 14th and you know a string of losses would just root you at the bottom um for me southampton great win for them but they've got so much work to do i think uh, ruben sellers uh, he's been an assistant at uh, southampton for some time now and you know he's going to be inspired to try and build on this win 
as for Leeds, uh, it's it's really the alarm bells are, are ringing. Uh, they've got big, big problems, not been able to win since November. Um, West Ham have been blowing hot and cold under David Moyes, you know, one win in, in the last five games as well. And then you've got Bournemouth, who are also not doing uh, that well under Gary O'Neill. Uh, Everton seem to be turning a corner under Sean Dyche, but they've also been beset by a lot of injury problems. Uh, the goals have not been coming free-flowing, so there will be sticky patches for them as well. Um, so I, I foresee these five teams being embroiled uh, in the uh, relegation uh, race. Uh, who's going to go down? Uh, I'll let you know perhaps in uh, in April or May. <laughs> okay, but it seems like you're thinking five teams are going to go down. Um, Not five teams. I would, I, I, I'm saying th- these five teams are going to be scrapping it out uh, from, from now until the end of the season. So let's move forward from one extreme to the other. Champions League. Champions League is back at its Liverpool versus Real Madrid first up. And um, once again, we will have Azran's biased opinion in a moment. But let's start with you, Sean. I mean, this is, this is the biggest name in, this is the biggest lineup in uh, Champions League in world football. And I don't think Liverpool stand a chance. If you told me that last season... I would say, you know, it'd be an amazing game. But this is funny because there's two teams that have been so inconsistent this season in Liverpool and Real Madrid, which I think adds to the allure of the game because you wouldn't be able to pick a winner, right? I don't know how many times Liverpool and Real Madrid have faced each other, but it honestly feels like they face each other every season now. I'm looking forward to it because it looks like Liverpool have finally turned a leaf and are slowly coming back again. But European nights, it's it seems like a Carlo Ancelotti Real Madrid special. I think it's going to be a lot closer than than a lot of people think because I don't look at Real Madrid's league form as a a factor in this game. I feel you know Liverpool playing at Anfield is still a huge thing. I think they've only lost once at home in 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 years, <laughs> two three years maybe. It's it's, hard, it's so hard to call. I still feel it's going to be a really KG game. It's going to go down to which defense is better at the end of the day because Real Madrid have been leaking goals. Liverpool have been leaking goals. But I think Liverpool have gone two clean sheets back to back. So that could play a huge, you know, bound of confidence for them. I think it's going to be a score draw. I'm going to be boring in that sense and think it's a score draw. But I think it's going to be... I mean, that could be 10-10. What's a score draw? I'm going to go for like a 2-2 kind of thing. It would add to the the, the excitement for the second leg. Uh, Yeah, I just, I think it's going to be a super exciting game as a neutral. Okay. Now, Asran is is like, I can see he's physically having trouble containing himself. So go, Asran, go. <laughs> you know, I've said it so many times, but our league has finally started. Our season has finally started. Well, Liverpool season has finally started. But again, having said that, Sean, obviously it's um, a match of European royalty. And this, unfortunately, this time around, as compared to last year when the two teams met for the Champions League final, this year hasn't been that great for both clubs. But having said that, now, ever since Real Madrid went to the Club World Championships, which they won, I think they've gotten a steady run of form and they've won their last two league games as well, convincingly with the clean sheet uh, against Elche and Osasuna. And similar to that, Liverpool is the same. I think finally, Liverpool, uh, the players, all the key players are coming back from injury. Virgil van Dijk is back. We've got Steven Batshetic, who has been our revelation. I think our youngster there, who's shot up the midfield. That allows Fabinho, who's been a bit off form, and Jordan Henderson has been a bit off form to regain their form and regain their their partnership in the middle of the park. And finally, because there's been so many changes up front, finally, I think with these Darwin Nunes, Salah and Kodigakko finally understanding each other, 
Liverpool hopefully has finally turned the corner. So it's going to be such an interesting match, at least I, I would say for neutrals as well. The thing is, there's no longer the away goal rule. So I would agree with Sean. There's going to be goals in the game. I hope just that one more goal to Liverpool compared to Real Madrid, of course. So uh, does Real Madrid have a replacement to Sergio Ramos to go and break uh, Mohamed Salah's arm? <laughs> oh man, don't remind me of that game. But no, they don't. They no longer have those ruffians. Uh, but I think Sean mentioned it quite well. Carlo Ancelotti and Real Madrid, they know how to win in Europe. They've won it so many times. Uh, irrespective of whatever form they're in, they're still going to put an issue in Europe. What more if... I think they're back on form, Sean. I think these are a match between two teams who've... These realistically, these are the Champions League is what they have for this season. So they're going to be all out to win it. Right, yeah. Now, uh, speaking of perhaps not knowing how to win the Champions League, uh, Nicholas, we have RB Leipzig versus Man City. And Pep Guardiola, he's going to have another try at winning the Champions League. Uh, who knows? Maybe he can do it this time. Uh, wh- why, why does he? I mean, you know, how come? I never understand why he doesn't win the champions league it's 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 such a prestigious and you know uh a competition that you know you, you're never guaranteed to to uh, uh win even though you know you're, you're stacked up with quality in your squad just look at psg you know uh they may not even progress past the round of 16 after losing to uh, bayern munich and all that qatari money had been invested to that squad for one purpose which is to win the champions league now city are a bit different um they've got Pep Guardiola, who's obviously tasted so much of success in Europe, but it's been a long time coming since he's won it. But, you know, going to this game, I think City are odds-on favourite to win. Um, They're playing a Leipzig team who's in good form. They're fifth in the league. They've got a good home record as well. But the issue with Leipzig is they are missing key personnel for this game. You know, two of their standout midfielders this season, Christopher Nkuku and also Danny Olmo, uh, they're out. And that ultimately leaves a big gaping hole in that midfield, which will ultimately, I think, be exploited by City. And as for City, they've not been playing, playing badly. You know, they just uh, had a little, have a little uh, rough patch here and there where the goals have not come as flowingly. But um, I don't think they're going to have a problem against this Leipzig team uh, who are who are short of their star players. And, you know, Haaland is definitely going to be looking to be amongst the goals once again. You've got De Bruyne, who's in great form, and so many supporting cast there who can uh, give you the goals from any any side of the, of the pitch. So, uh, for me, it's uh, City to take a healthy advantage in this game. Okay, so, Sean, um, we're going to do one more uh, of the lineups in a moment. The... Uh... Eintracht Frankfurt and the Napoli match. But uh, I want to see, I'm going to ask you for an overview of the remaining uh, clubs in the the Champions League. And bearing in mind also that we've already had one round. PSG (laughs) didn't do too well. So um, where where, where do you see this going? Because you're you're very much a neutral in this. Manchester United not involved. So uh, where's this one going to go? I'll ask Ron be a happy man. I was saying at the start of the season... I feel a dark horse might win it this season, the Champions League. You look at most of the teams that are remaining, right? So you have your PSGs, your Bayerns and all this. If you look at most of them that are still in the competition, they've been really inconsistent. So that's your Dortmund, your Chelsea, your Real Madrid and so on. They've all been really inconsistent with their form throughout every competition. But there's been one team, which we're going to get to after this, that has been consistent in every competition that they've played, which is Napoli which I said at the start of the season was the dark horse that could win the Champions League. I feel 
people are sleeping on Napoli. I actually genuinely feel Napoli has the best chance of winning the Champions League. That is my my odds-on favourite to win it. Uh, Asfran, would you agree with that? Because Napoli are, are like way ahead in Serie A. Uh, 15 points ahead, I think, against uh, Inter. Napoli, are they, are, they, are they any good? They are absolutely superb. They are the team on absolute form at this point of time, Napoli. Yeah? Um, uh, again, I, can they actually win the Champions League? I personally, Sean, I still do foresee the tried and test- tested uh, teams that have the capabilities and knowledge and know-how. Uh, where they are at at this point of time, Napoli is already a bit of a a bit of a giving them a bit of a uh, nosebleed, no? Uh, being first for so by so far in the league, qualifying for the knockout rounds of the Champions League, and I think they've got as much a chance to qualify, obviously against Eintracht Frankfurt, which we'll review later. I personally see that they will go to the next round uh, to the quarterfinals, but that's when when they meet the likes of Bayern or City or between Liverpool and Real Madrid, that's when finally I think their wheels will come off. But again, having said that, they've had an excellent season and I do believe that they're going to win the Serie A by a mile. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you three, who's going to win the Champions League? It's early, I know. Uh, Nicholas? I'm going to go for City. Pep to finally get it right this season. Sean? I'm going for Napoli. I'll stick to my guns and say Napoli. Okay. And Asran? Okay, besides Liverpool, of course, I think it's a one tried and tested team. It might be something like Bayern or, or PSG if they turn it around. But I don't see it with Neymar being injured. So something like Bayern or Real. That's how boring. That's so boring. Oh. <laughs> what Napoli. Okay, uh, in a moment, we're going to do um, Europa League, one Europa League match, and then we'll do some uh, local football here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Welcome to part four of Just for Kicks with me, Cam, Nicholas, Sean and Asran. And now one Europa League match, which I'm sure will be a Champions League match next season. And, and it, it would be a mouthwatering fixture anytime. Is, um, is, uh, which way around is it? It's Manchester United versus Barcelona. It's 2-2 on aggregate so far. Nicholas, um... This could be this could be fireworks. It could be fireworks um, if uh, Barcelona had a full team. Unfortunately for them, they'll be coming to Old Trafford without a full team, and they, again, you know, this is a team that is uh, is not going to be without their two anchors in midfield, Gavi and and Pedri, and 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 these two youngsters are the one who have actually been the catalyst for Barca's a tremendous season in La Liga so far. Um, without them, uh, I think. Uh, United are going to boss that midfield. You know, you have Casimiro, Fred, um, and uh, Ben. Um, they, they're going to boss the midfield at home and uh, Barcelona are going to struggle because without these two players, there's no one to actually break up the play and move things along. And Barcelona also without Usmane Dembele who could give uh, real problems for um, Luke Shaw on the left wing. So uh, Barcelona coming to Old Trafford without some of their biggest players uh, Assets is going to be a big, big hurdle. And I think uh, United, uh, you know, they have played so many games uh, already. Uh, that's one concern for Eric Tenka is perhaps dealing uh, the man management in terms of his personnel to, to rest some players and, you know, to keep uh, the squad fresh. But uh, United definitely favourites for this one. Uh, Sean, do you agree? I mean, bearing in mind that how many uh, competitions are United still involved with? Currently four. <laughs> yeah. Four. I mean, 
Uh, in, in my lifetime, I've seen United play Barcelona eight times. And most of that time, I was never confident of United being beating Barcelona. Even last week when United faced Barcelona, I felt it would have been tight and I thought that Barcelona would nick it. But I saw a United team that looked prepared. The biggest problem United had in that first leg is they couldn't get out of defence a lot because you had Lewandowski who was pressing, you had Rafinha who was pressing, you had Pedri and Gavi who were pressing. It was so difficult. But the one thing that United has coming into this game is Lisandro Martinez being back. He's not cup tied. I mean, he's not suspended anymore and it's going to be a huge boost to United. Like Nick said, Pedri's injured, Gavi is suspended. Dembele is injured. Busquets is back. I don't know how big a part that's going to play, but Busquets is back. I have the utmost confidence in United winning this game. And not just winning, but I think doing it convincingly. And that that's a big say because the first leg, take away the fact that I'm a United supporter, I thought it was one of the best football games I've watched in a long time. It was highly entertaining. Two teams that were struggling so much in the last few seasons that are finally on a resurgence under two young coaches who have a clear philosophy on how they want to play. I think it's going to be an amazing match. I don't think there's going to be a loser per se because both teams have been phenomenal. But I think United will edge it about like 2-1 or 3-1 in this game. I think it's the onus is on United to win this. At home, losing only one game so far this season at home, it all points towards a United victory. I was running. I mean, it's pretty remarkable lineups. We've got Liverpool versus uh, Real Madrid. Champions League, and, and granted, this is the Europa League. You've got you've got United versus Barcelona. That's quite amazing. Um, wh- which way do you think this one's going to go? The the uh, United Barcelona. It's a tough one. I think uh, these two are teams that are on form. Uh, obviously, Barcelona leading the league by by what eight points against Real Madrid, and United, who is again after the World Cup break, they've been I think driven by Marcus Rashford. Well, it's Ten Hag's doing, of course, but again, they've been really, really, really exciting to watch as well. So it's tight, it's tough. I think one of the beauty of the departure of the way goals rule, because in previous seasons where there were away goals rule, I would say United would definitely have the upper hand. But now it's technically like nil-nil, no? So it matters of who t- turns up during the week. The thing for me is United has also got a cup final to think about in, well, 48 hours from then on. So it depends on what the priorities are. I'm sure as a fan, Sean, you'll probably want to see United probably progressing more in the Europa League rather than the League Cup. But the thing is, in the League Cup, it's a final. It's a chance to win some silverware. And winning silverware sort of drives or builds your confidence within the squad, especially in a squad that for for Ten Hag, it's a fresh squad for him, right? So probably it's going to be, he's going to have his mind on those two games. So it's not going to be a full, full, absolute, 100% strong lineup. So because of purely that fact, I would say Barcelona has that edge. Because Barcelona, I think they can even rest some of their key players in the, 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 how they did against Cadiz and uh, gear all out against United. Though true, they've got some key players missing through injuries, but I think the rest of... They've got a very good squad, Barcelona, this time around. I think Xavi has made a fantastic squad. Um, and due to the fact that United has a cup final to play in uh, two days after that, that's why I think Barcelona will have that slight edge physically to beat United. Oh, okay. Uh, Sean, by the way, is a Manchester United fan, so he wants everything because <laughs> that's just how they are. Six years of pain. It's oh, time to six, win something. Whatever. Uh, how dare you? Uh, Nicholas over there, he's a, he's a Leeds United fan. Don't, don't ah. come at him with the six years of pain. <laughs> so, Nicholas, meanwhile, in Malaysia, the season begins. And how does it begin? 
Yeah, so the new M-League season starts this Friday with the Charity Shield with uh, JDT who are nine-time league champions taking on Terengganu who uh, you know did really well as well uh, last year uh, FA Cup finalists. So that that kicks off the um, M-League season. Um, this M-League season is going to be a bit more different because it's a single-tier league. Uh, it's been done to improve the league uh, uh, more commercially and also, you know, uh, to maximize uh, broadcast coverage. So it's going to be a 14-team uh, league this time around as compared to a two-tier league. It's going to be a single-tier 14-team league um, with six competitions uh, throughout the season. Uh, there's emphasis towards uh, youth as well. So there's going to be an MFL Cup uh, where a lot of the under 23 players are going to be playing in as well. Um, so uh, exciting times for Malaysian football kicks off uh, this Friday at uh, at the uh, Sultan Ibrahim uh, Stadium uh, between JDT and Terengganu. And I'm and I'm looking forward uh, for an exciting league. Uh, JDT are obviously the front runners once again uh, to win the league. They've done so for the last nine seasons, but. Uh, several teams have beefed up their squad. You know, the likes of Terengganu have bought well, Selangor have bought well, KL City have bought well, uh, Sabah have bought well as well. So um, uh, let's see how how many teams can actually push uh, JDT and how far they can push JDT because this season is a long season as well. Unlike uh, previous seasons where it, uh, where it usually ends in uh, uh, late November, this this year it goes all the way uh, right up to December and the league ends just before uh, Christmas. So it's going to be a long season. It's going to be a hard season for a lot of teams. Um, but we're all hoping for the best uh, for Malaysian football. And, you know, if you are a fan of uh, any of these teams, please go down to the stadium and support your teams. Uh, Malaysian League always needs the support, uh, not only just from uh, viewership, but also physical attendance as well. Well, speaking of which, Asran Rosin, your, your KL City. Uh, yep. uh, 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 you'll be down there watching and are they going to upset JDT this season? Well, KL City looks like he's got a fantastic squad this time around and I think Nick has mentioned it really well I think the, the challenge for all the other teams is to beat the stranglehold of JDT who won every single tournament that has to offer last year without losing a game right? But KL City plays JDT in the second game of the season uh, at the start of March, 1st of March. KL City starts against Penang and then play JDT. And again, all these other teams, Sabah has invested well, uh, Slango, uh, Trungano, I think the problem with Trungano though in the charity shield is I think the loss of Nafuzi, who was the head coach and who did fantastically well last year, I think they still haven't gotten their rhythm ever since he left or they had let, let, let go of him. But besides that, JDT looks ever-present. KL has invested really, really well. We've got a good sort of new investors coming into the team. So this time around, I think KL will be at least expectation as a fan to challenge JDT for the league this time around. Because last year, obviously, KL's focus or concentration was on the AFC Cup, which we did fantastically well. Unfortunately, fell at the final hurdle. This time around, is the league that we want. And so JDT were coming after them. With or without KJ. <laughs> ah, they, didn't, they didn't lose a single match. JDT didn't lose a single They were absolutely on fire last year. Crazy. Uh, it was Perfect. like the record ever. In the Malaysian leagues, yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, that brings us to the end of this week's show, and I'd like to thank and wish luck to all our pundits here. Uh, thank you, Nicholas Anil. Thank you, Cam. Enjoy the football, everyone. And Asran Rosane, and uh, good luck with your. When is the match? The Champions League match tomorrow night. Wednesday morning for us. So exciting times. Our season starts. So let's see. Again, looking forward to all the games. Even United against Barcelona is going to be a cracker. The League Cup final. Let's see how Karius 
hopefully it doesn't screw up this time around. Come on, Karius. And, and Sean Mahotra. A happy Sean Mahotra. <laughs> it's a rare one. If you heard me last year, I was very Absolutely. depressed. So yeah. yeah, everyone have a great week. Uh, <laughs> hope uh, Real Madrid fans have a great week and uh, United fans have a great week. <laughs> okay. Thank you. And also to our producer, Daryl Ong. And uh, join us next time here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Is one way, Salah's the other. He's on an old Trafford hat trick here, Mo Salah. And he captures the moment. For more football, tune in Mondays and Fridays at 8 pm, just for kicks on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.